0: With the sports world on pause,
1: we've teamed Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson together for Power Lunch—an hour to talk lightning hockey, the NHL, and how you're coping with the coronavirus. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play via the iHeartRadio app. Center point headman, Radek right Kudela. Score! Patrick Kudela. Have we got a show for you today? Welcome. another edition of Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Erlandson alongside Greg Linelli, And we're going to talk to Mitchell Stevens today, Lightning forward, Lightning rookie forward, about what he's been up to and what he's doing during this quarantine for an NHL rookie. We're also going to play back our interview with Aaron Andrews in case you missed that from earlier in the week because Aaron, if you don't know, was originally a sideline reporter for the Lightning back during the 2001-2002 season and had some really interesting things to say about her time with the Lightning and how it really launched uh, her on her career to where she's at now. Of course, sideline reporter for the NFL with Fox Sports. Uh, So we'll play that a little bit later in the show. And we're going to talk, too, about some interesting developments over the last uh, day or so in terms of this potential path heading towards what could be the resumption of the NHL season and a playoff situation. I know we talked a little bit about it yesterday, but as I bring in Greg Linnelli, um, Greg, a little bit more information has come out in regards to this situation as yesterday, uh, that we talked about yesterday. Uh, I know we speculated that Tampa might be in the mix, and now there's reports that they for sure are in the mix. And uh, good afternoon, Greg.
2: Well, good afternoon, my friend. And for the reasons I think we talked about yesterday, Tampa makes a lot of sense. Also, also there was a, um, a press conference held with government officials talking about how the coronavirus in heat um, doesn't spread nearly as, as quickly as in colder climates. In fact, I think they, they gave the example that you know, on the surface, You know, uh, typically it it could last for up to an hour. You know, somewhere um, they did some more testing and uh, the virus dissipated within a minute in in climates like, you know, the Florida uh, area. So all of that, I'm sure, is being considered. Uh, Frank Cervelli from TSN also threw out four destinations that he thought might have made some sense and a couple of them uh, we touched on yesterday, but he had Edmonton, Toronto, Pittsburgh, and Dallas, and uh, the Pittsburgh angle was interesting because not only of their Lemieux Sports Complex practice facility, but he mentioned um, the fact that the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center provides sports medicine and medical care at one of the best hospitals in the country, which is, you know, no doubt, I think, a big deal. So I think that's also an interesting angle when you start talking about Facilities that can treat uh, players or staff members if something like this were to uh, really um, spread to the point where you needed, you needed a lot of care
1: yeah, it's an angle I hadn't considered um, from the medical aspect, but certainly makes sense uh, did we we talked to Jesus, it feels like a month ago about some of the breakthroughs that UPMC actually yeah. has already done. Um, you know, in this uh, fight to find a vaccine, this race to find a vaccine uh, in some capacity. So, yeah, that's that's an interesting angle. Uh, I was reading Pierre Lebrun as well, and uh, he had a little more expanded um, than Frank did. Uh, He had Minnesota, Edmonton, Toronto, Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Dallas. Uh, I found it interesting that he says he doesn't think Raleigh, because they've had some construction slowdowns on their practice facility, might not be in that mix, even though... Emily Kaplan from ESPN had reported that was one of three that were under uh, consideration or at the top of the list. And he also, and I find this interesting, Pierre ruled out Buffalo, which I thought was interesting. And, um, you know, we we know how bad it is in New York, but there's so much of that is in New York City, not necessarily in upstate New York, and then you think of the facility that the Sabres have there with the attachment to the hotel, and you can walk. Literally, you don't have to go outside to go to the practice rink or even to Key Bank Arena. Mm-hmm. There's it's attached to the hotel. So I found that interesting that Buffalo wouldn't be in the mix, and I wonder if that would change if some of the numbers start to come down. But here's the other one, interesting one. Dave Pagnota from the fourth period. You can also hear him on Sirius XM NHL Radio on the weekends with uh, the the show that he does. Um, he has he has the most expanded list out there. He has Raleigh, Saint Paul, Vegas, Nashville, Glendale, Washington, and Tampa as what he considers or what he has been told are among the the favorites to host games. And a couple new names there. We talked about Tampa, but Washington and Glendale in that mix as well as Nashville.
2: You know, that is interesting. And you wonder if some of those destinations too e, are picked because those states may be opening up a little bit more than some other states as well. I know that was the speculation maybe with Dallas, that that would be a, an interesting situation because they could be one of the first states to ease restrictions related to COVID-19. So, uh, you know, Gary Bettman was asked, is there a race to be the first league back from all of this? And uh, in his interview with uh, McLean yesterday from Sportsnet, he said no, that it's about the, the safety of the players. But I think you brought up that angle, which I think is pretty interesting. You know, is there kind of an internal competition to get to the market first? Uh, and if they don't, is it something where – do they try and do something in unison and bring all these these sports leagues back at the same time and kind of one big push? Because I think one thing we have to keep in mind, Eve, wherever the games are – are played coming back from this pause because of uh, COVID-19, you're going to see an uptick, I think, in cases when it comes to this virus because you're going to have more people out and about. So I think it's probably pretty important that if you decide to do this, and I think most people, at least sports fans, are on board with seeing sports come back in some capacity, that there is a chance that you're going to see the virus spread a bit because you have more people out and about. And so the question just becomes how much can these leagues stomach if those numbers rise and they're still playing, what do they, what do they elect to do? To me, that's going to be the interesting uh, the second part of this. Not only where are they going to play and where are they going to open up and who's going to hold some of these games, because it sounds like the league wants to do that. And I, you know, we're getting enough reports out there that that's legit. I think the question just becomes how much can they stomach if you see the surrounding areas where they're playing start to see a spike
1: because more activity... Is brewing right now. Yeah, that has to be considered. Um, I would, I would like to hope and think, and I know this isn't the case with everybody, but now that we understand what we're up against, the ways to prevent it, making sure you're more sanitary with your hands, and you know, if, you, if you're going to wear a mask out in public, if those things are under consideration, and you know. But then I think of a place like Nashville, and it's a great city. It's a fun city, and maybe that's the problem with Nashville is it is a fun city. And if the bars are even open in some capacity there, that rink is literally right in the middle of Little Broadway, which is the big bar entertainment district there as well. So you you're, you would not be able to prevent people from um, gathering outside in some capacity um, unless you really just lock down the entire area, which I don't know. If you could do that, um, you know, so that's where in the, Vegas is certainly in the same way. Now, I haven't been to T-Mobile Arena in Vegas, but it's Vegas. So, um, you know, that has to be taken into consideration as well. So if we're talking about trying to quarantine the players as much as possible here, those those situations under, you know, your scenario there would have to be, well, wait a second, what, what would take place in and around the building if we host these games, even if we're not letting fans in, to bring people together and gather in a large area because you know that there will be people that want to try and catch a glimpse, you know, even if it's watching the team bus go by or something like that. And, you know, we certainly see that outside Amelie Arena um, as the players leave the compound there. Uh, it's the same with other arenas as well that that has to be taken into consideration, you know, it, what is these, the the reignition, if you will, of, of what this virus could potentially do and how fast it could spread. Yeah. And, you know, you don't
2: want to overwhelm the, uh, the medical uh, experts and the professionals there because, you know, you have more cases than they can take. And uh, I think that's something that everybody wants to be cognizant of, which is one of the reasons why, you know, some of these locations might be better than others because of the, the treatment that you may be able to get which would be world class so that's something to keep an eye on the other thing too is it it seems pretty clear that you know maybe we're starting to get rumblings that the league would like to resume the regular season maybe more so than we anticipated and yeah obviously a lot of that is financial i'm assuming uh i think a part of that the part of that, though, is, too, the players need to get back on the ice. I mean, you're you're talking about probably at least two months away, if not more, for a lot of these players who haven't been able to skate. The last thing you want to do is have these guys go on the ice, uh, on a choppy ice. Let's Let's emphasize that because I think wherever they play, if you're having multiple games at one location, the ice isn't going to be great to begin with. And then you factor in the heat, and now these players haven't been on the ice for two to three months. That's a big problem. So it's almost twofold. There's a revenue aspect to this because there's still, for a lot of teams, 12 games left on the schedule. That's a big deal. But also, too, for those who thought, well, maybe they can just go right into the playoffs when they come back just to get the season over with, maybe there's this safety aspect to it that we have to look at a a little bit more and say, you know
1: what, even if it's just three or four games back, that's probably the way the league wants to go. Yeah, there's certainly an appetite for that. You know, you keep hearing the words integrity of the season, and, you know, that talks about this season and next season, and certainly there's financial implications of it. You also have the possibility that if you don't resume the regular season, let's say you start the playoffs and they, you don't even start next year until you get to November, you know, how many of these teams, the, you know, the Wings and the Kings and the Sharks and these teams that are out of playoff contention would not have players, you know, together skating as a team from March until November? I mean, that's a big gap. Um, you know, you're talking, you know, seven, eight months in terms of time that they've been on off the ice. But the one thing that I would take into consideration in thinking about bringing back the regular season and and finding some way to finish if, if it's the entire rest of the calendar on the regular season, we've heard Gary Bettman say the, the thought of playing up to three games per day to get that in is your, can you quarantine 31 NHL teams? can you keep them away from the public in a lot of ways because, you know, you're going to have to quarantine them in some capacity. And then you're also introducing so many more different players to each other. We know that there have been, what, eight total players just on two teams that have contracted uh, uh, the coronavirus, you know. So now you're reintroducing more people together and that just increases the odds, that that something might happen, uh, even if they do the best they can to quarantine and and the sanitization of everything, um, you know, I think that you would have to take that into consideration as well, and then weigh that versus finishing the regular season or you trying to recoup some of the TV revenue, especially for the regional markets. Um, you know, in, in their contracts with their TV providers. So uh, lots and lots to consider, uh, certainly in unprecedented times, but uh, the league has got a lot going on and trying to figure this out.
2: Well, I think – and here's a scenario before we, we get to Mitchell. Here, Think about this, E. What if you're in the middle of the playoffs and a couple of players test positive for the coronavirus and they actually have the symptoms and they're sick? Are you going to stop the playoffs? until, you know, those players are isolated and you feel like it's it's not contagious. I mean, I, I I think, I guess what I'm saying is when you rip this Band-Aid off and you decide to go full bore, I think you have to understand the consequences involved with that, both good and bad. I mean, the good is you, you know, moving along with sports. Life's back to normal. You're, you know, you're creating some more jobs that, that weren't there. The negative is we see a spike, but think about it. Let's look at it internally a little bit more. You're, you're in a best of seven series. You're in the second round and all of a sudden four or five players test positive. Some of them actually have symptoms. Do you treat that no more than if they had the flu and Hey, that's part of the game and either you play or you don't, or do you shut it down? I I think that's something we have to recognize when this does become open for business, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and I think the league has taken that under consideration because it's you've seen it floated around in that same scenario. What happens if one player does it? We've said it, right? If, if one player does, it probably does shut it down. Um, you know. And that's where the testing comes in. I know it's been mentioned that if they are going to do something like this, you'd probably have to have you know, some consistent and available testing on a, a semi-regular basis, whether it's every week or whatever it might be, to, to make sure that this doesn't have an outbreak uh, and then, if you can you can locate one of them, you can uh, isolate. But then, what happens? Then you have to the contact tracing, right? Like, that's what contact tracing is all about: is finding people that they've been in contact and isolating them. Well, you can isolate a whole team. You know, you can isolate the other team that they played against. So, certainly, those things had have to have be considered. We know that the league has an epidemiologist on um, on uh, retainer that they have that they bring in and, and talk to about a lot of this stuff. Um, from a medical standpoint. So y- you know it had to have been cons- taken under consideration. That's why I, I still think they're going to be very cautious with their approach. Um, you know, we're still six weeks away from uh, the beginning of June and, and the thought of when some of this might get into, uh, into fruition, put the plan into action, getting players back on the ice and for training and all that. So we're still a ways away from it. Um, as we know, the world can change quickly one way or the other. Uh, hopefully it continues to trend In the positive direction that it is now but uh, certainly a lot to consider there's a lot weighing on these decisions and if you do it wrong things can really backfire you in a bad way
2: yeah you just have to be careful make the best decisions possible maybe this is again where we start talking about tampa as being an interesting destination because of the climate because of the medical care that you would receive also to pittsburgh I think a lot of factors going in. The, the thing about it is whatever decision they make, I think people can poke holes at, at all of them. But you yep. have to understand the immense pressure and decision-making, uh, assuming they want to bring the league back this year that these guys are under and that they are taking all of this under consideration. It's not going to be perfect, D. I think we have to probably grow with this decision as much as anybody and just kind of see how this plays out. I mean, I don't think there's a chance if they start the season back up and things aren't working out well that they would shut the season down completely and just say, you know, what, let's let's get ready for next year because they're talking about next year once the fall hits or hits again that this coronavirus will pop back and that, you yeah. know, it's being helped right now because of the heat in the summer months, but this is going to make another run. So what are you going to do then? I know some people have talked about just opening up next year for till January and start the the season then. But the league, I don't think, can do that. I don't think any league, any business, I don't think, can do that. So I think we have to keep that all in mind.
1: Yep. All right, before we get to Mitchell Stevens, a couple of things you want to pass along. First of all, did you see Steven Stamkos yesterday? Yes, if you haven't caught the video the the team put out yesterday, this uh, ha- uh, the, the passing back and forth that also included Julian Green, um, U.S. men's national team soccer player, was involved in this as well, but... The end of the video, what did you see? Steven Stamkos on the ice. Positive, positive sign in, in terms of his recuperation from the surgery. And the other thing we wanted to pass along to doc talk with Alex Kalorn. If you've seen the Instagram videos that he's done, they're funny, they're fascinating. He's on his uh, uh, jet ski going around to teammates, former teammates. He's done a couple of episodes. But he has these Doc Talk with Killer shirts. So you can go to TampaBaysports.com. They're $30. 100% of the proceeds go to benefit the Hillsborough Education Foundation. So if you go to TampaBaysports.com and buy one of those shirts, uh, it's for the worthy cause. And it's a pretty cool looking shirt, too, I might add. All right, Mitchell Stevens, Lightning Forward is coming up after this. I'm Eric Rolinson. He is Greg Lanelli. This is Power Lunch. We'll be back right after this. The hockey world might be on pause, but Eric Erlinson and Greg Linelli aren't. This is Power Lunch, exclusively on Lightning Power Play on the iHeartRadio app. All right, welcome back to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. I'm Eric Erlinson alongside Greg Linelli, getting you through another week here of self isolation, and we're pleased right now to be joined by Lightning Forward. Mitchell Stevens. And uh, Mitchell, we appreciate you taking out a a few minutes of your time here for us on the show. And uh, the first thing we have to ask, everything's okay with you, everybody in your family, everybody good through this uh, whole situation?
0: Well, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, But yeah, everyone's uh, everyone's healthy in my family. And um, yeah, just trying to, to get through it for the most part.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's something we're all certainly trying to do in, in uh, much different ways. And, and I guess take us through the, f- the couple of days when all this hits back in March. You guys were getting ready to play a game against the Flyers that night. You, you're at the rink. You're coming to toll for a meeting and then told to go home. And then just the couple of days after that, what kind of wrapped around your head in terms of what was ahead of you?
0: Well, first off, we really didn't know what was going on or what to expect and, You know, we thought maybe we just, you know, postpone the game till tomorrow or, you know, so on and so forth. But um, no, we really didn't think it was going to be this big. But, uh, you know, as soon as the World Health Organization declared it a pandemic, it sort of sunk in. that You know, this is this is huge. This is a big world problem. So, um, you know, it's definitely something I've never experienced in my life.
2: Well Mitchell I, I'm curious and uh, glad you're with us here it just the day-to-day life of, a, of an athlete going through something like this you guys are are so regimented during the season, whether it's when you eat, sleep and all all that good stuff to get you ready for a game and now that kind of gets thrown out the window. Do you try and stay as structured as possible with some of those things to kind of keep into a, a regular rhythm as if you were playing or you know, do you let yourself just kind of, however the day comes, that's that's how you adjust.
0: Well, I think I, tr- I try to get up relatively early in the morning, um, to try and I don't get, get the most out of the day, for so to speak. But um, you know, it's it's tough when you can just sit on the couch all day, and you know that's been one of the challenges I've tried to. Um, find things to to keep my mind active, whether it was reading a book or, um, you know, doing a a workout uh, in the house. And, you know, I think it was important for me to to get up early and start to do things and um, whether it's, you know, make breakfast or, um, you know, little things during the day to to keep my mind uh, sane.
1: Again, we're joined here by lighty Ford Mitchell Stevens and uh, Mitchell we understand you actually are here in Tampa you did not go back home was that was that a did you wrestle with that decision to, to stay close to the team and stay close to the area as opposed to maybe going back with your girlfriend and family
0: yeah yeah I wrestled it with it a little bit and I think you know ultimately i didn't want to want to put my myself uh, in a risk of, of traveling and um you know i'd rather you know stay where I'm comfortable and um, although I'm alone, it's you know it's I, I feel more comfortable being in a setting where I'm familiar and uh, I'm not you know traveling you know twenty something hours to to get home or on a flight or in an airport so you know that was the the main uh, reason behind it.
2: You know, Mitchell, we've Eric and I have talked about this on the show. What the new normal is going to look like once everybody gets back and they're working and, and playing sports. Have you had some time, you know, uh, just thinking about what's it going to be like once hockey does resume, what the, the crowds are going to be like, if there are any crowds to start and, and how different things could be. Do you, do you try and run those scenarios through your mind mentally to get an idea of, you know, what the new normal may be once everybody resumes activities?
0: I think it's just, everything's just so up in the air right now. And there's so much uncertainty of, you know, if we're going to play, how we're going to play, if there's going to be fans. And I think if you get caught up in it, it's, you know, it's only going to drive you more crazy. I think, you know, for me, it was just not my goals were to try and, you know, still be active and, uh, you know, keep my mind sharp. And, you know, that's really ultimately the only things I'm focusing on. And, you know, when we play, you know, if it's going to be in front of fans, great. If not, you know, we'll make it work. And, um, you know, at the bottom of the line, we we want to win a Stanley Cup this year. And, um, you know, I think uh, all the guys in our team are, are willing to, to wait this out and, you know, see, you know, what the future holds.
1: So you, you're by yourself. Uh, I, I can't imagine that's the easiest thing going through something like this. But how much of the team group chats, and we understand Braden Coburn has been a, a pretty good cut up in there, and a lot of chirping back and forth. How does that kind of help keep things at least keep you close to your teammates?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's it's good to, to to get that interaction with the guys, and I think we we have our, uh we have a Zoom chat uh, you know yoga session twice a week, so. You know, you get to sit down, talk to the guys and, um, you know, get that banter back and forth that you miss from from being in the locker room.
2: Mitchell Stevens joins us here on the Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play, Greg Linnelli, along with Eric Erlandson. Uh, I'm curious, Mitchell, too, you know, when you you go to the the arena and I'm going to say everything's there for you, whether it's meals or shakes and, you know, the, the eating part is is regimented for you as well. How's that been? for you just, you know, doing that on your own and, and making sure that you're eating what you need to eat? Are you, are you cooking a lot more? Are you doing more curbside takeout? What are you What are you trying to do to, to watch so you uh, make sure you're, you're ready to go once the season does start or resume?
0: Uh, I'm definitely doing a lot more cooking, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> trying different recipes and, um, you know, trying to have fun with it too. So um, yeah, just trying to, to cook as much as I can. Have you shared any
1: recipes with Anthony Sorelli? He was on with us a couple of weeks ago talking to the media about how his chicken teriyaki was a disaster. Any <laughs> cooking tips you guys have shared
0: together? I haven't yet, but uh, I'll definitely have to send him some recipes. <laughs>
1: um Mitchell we we had Scott wedgwood on here a couple of weeks ago and uh, he informed us that he was uh doubling down as a mover uh, to help pack up your apartment back in Syracuse uh what kind of a job did he do and were you able to get everything from him
0: yeah he uh so we live two doors down in the same apartment complex so you know took two days out of his out of his quarantine and packed up all my stuff so yeah, I'm incredibly thankful for him I Wouldn't have been able to do it myself. So, um, you know, that's just the type of people him and uh, Brittany are. They're, you know, really good friends to me, and um, they know the the roles would be reversed in the same situation. Does he have a second career? You know what he uh, (laughs) he sent numerous packages down here in his Tetris game with all my clothes and uh, getting knickknacks and gadgets. You know, it's it's pretty good. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you know mitchell it's um we're talking to uh, the other day we were uh, speaking it might have been with with ryan callahan and or, or some some former player we had on talking about just staying in shape during this time and how difficult it is but maybe the biggest challenge um was the fact that you can't skate and you know some guys are maybe doing the the rollerblading have you done any of that have you thought about doing some of that I mean you can you know do all the the cardio you want but is there any benefit you think to rollerblading during this time especially guys who uh you know aren't near an ice surface
0: yeah I think it's it's important to to be active and um you know whether it is rollerblading or going for a run I think you know the most important thing is just to get outside and you know to to get the fresh air and not be cooped up in the house and uh, you know, for me, rollerblading was great, and you know, going for runs, going for walks, or um, you know, just sitting out in the the patio. So, uh, you know, it was very important for me to to get outside and get fresh air for sure.
1: Mitchell Stevens joins us here on Power Lunch. And uh, any new hobbies? Anything you've done to uh, try and I don't know, find something to do? Uh, with your time. Yanni Gord was talking to us last week about he's, he's turned into quite the handyman around the apartment. Something he didn't really know that he was doing or he could, was able to do anything like that. You've been able to do gaming wise or puzzles, anything like
0: that? Uh, I bought a I bought a PS4. Uh, still trying to get the hang of it, but uh, you know I've always been a big movie guy, so uh, I like just you know going on the IMDb. Uh, website and, you know, just looking at different, uh, the ratings of movies and trying to, trying to watch the, the highest rated movies. So, um, you know, other than that, just, you know, looking up recipes for cooking or, um, you know, reading a book. I started reading the Tiger Woods, uh, uh biography book and yeah, other than that, just trying to keep busy.
1: So, so there's another area you could get together with Anthony Sorelli on because apparently he needs some help gaming as well because he says <laughs> that Tyler Johnson and Brayden Point just pick on them all the time when they play. So maybe you can get in there
0: and help uh, Anthony on that one too. Yeah, I don't think I'm up to their level yet, but <laughs> maybe one day.
2: You have any uh, Netflix recommendations? Is that kind of been your your go to outlet for for movies?
0: Uh, yeah, I've been you know with Netflix a little bit. I've also uh, been watching the, the Payton's places on uh, ESPN plus, you know, just uh, the history of the NFL and, you know, just learning about uh, yeah, how the NFL came about and all the different players. So it's, it's pretty cool. Are
1: are you, are you a sports nut? Like, uh, do you follow all sports? You, do you kind of classify yourself in that situation? And, and if so, how much are you just not only just playing as you are as an, as an NHL player, but uh, you know, just watching stuff on television as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just, I like watching sports. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I follow, uh, one team or, you know, one league specifically, but you know, if a football game's on on a Sunday and, you know, I'll be watching football. Right. And it's, uh, it's become my nature of being an athlete to, to appreciate uh, other athletes and what they do. And, um, you know, I watch a lot of hockey during the year and, um, you know football too, so just the appreciation of different athletes and in, uh, in their sport. I
2: don't know about you, Mitchell. I, Eric and I were talking about this before. I I feel like there is only so many games that have already been played that you can go back and watch on TV. And I'm wondering, do you do you still find yourself, you know, those throwback games, whether it's the NHL, whether it's the NBA, MLB, or if you see that on TV, you're kind of like, you know what, I'm going to go read.
0: Um, not so much. I think just, I had the ESPN channel on the other day and it was just going through, uh, different NFL games and, you know, big moments and just, you know, sitting there, um, watching that and just, I don't know, getting away a little bit. So it was, you know, it's good to, to watch different sporting events. Cause you know, it's pretty much all we can't watch anything live anymore.
2: Did you watch the uh, that last dance documentary with uh, Michael Jordan and the Bulls? It was pretty good. Same yeah, I night. did. It was, was it was good. wicked.
0: Uh, I would have binge watched the the whole ten yeah. episodes in one night if I could. Are
2: they doing that every Sunday?
0: Yeah, so it's two episodes it every yeah. Sunday, I believe. Yeah, that'll be good. What a,
1: yeah. what a tease! That's a terrible tease. Oh, Once no. a week. Is that terrible. <laughs> well, like, now, I'll admit, I haven't watched it, I, but I've certainly oh. seen many people who have and, and talked about it and, and certainly on my it. social media feeds. But only two episodes a week? That's like, like, why can't they be like Netflix and just put it all in? We can all binge it at the same time, right? Like That <laughs> that would make more sense. We're all Absolutely. starved for this. <laughs> well, Mitchell, if you're, if you're really starving for something, you can, you can go back and watch the 2004 playoff run on Fox Sports Sun. They're airing Game Four against the Islanders tonight. Watch Marty St. Louis' incredible shorthanded goal.
0: Yeah, I have to check that out for sure. <laughs>
1: um, so when when you're able to get out, you you say you have the rollerblades. How long do you do you go out? How long do you kind of get outside and, and you know take in that fresh air? And uh, I I don't know. Do you live near anybody? Can you go rollerblading with anybody, or is that still isolation?
0: That's yeah, that's still isolation. I think. Um you know, really, I just went out into the, to the parking lot and, um, just, I've never rollerbladed before, uh, before this. So it's just, I was just trying to get the hang of it.
1: <laughs> so how, how weird was that then? You know, for somebody who's, you know, been there almost the entire life on ice skates, uh, how big of a difference was it getting on the blades?
0: It's a little different. There's no push off off the toe or anything like that, but, uh, it, it is pretty similar and, in the grand scheme of things
2: I saw somebody in my neighborhood um, here in Odessa Mitchell. I don't know who it was. It was a rollerblade and a hockey stick in their hand. And I was like, all right this guy this guy's pretty serious I don't think it, I don't think it was a lighting player <laughs> but it was, a, uh, it was just a guy with a helmet on and uh, his rollerblades and a stick, and I guess he wanted to get the feel for it. he'd been away. He'd been away too long, Mitchell. It was uh, it was uh, you know, do you take a, a stick out with you when you we you got your rollerblades or?
0: I haven't yet. No, I was just yeah. Like I said, I've only went out once, just trying to get the hang yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well. So, so how long do you think it you would need to kind of get the feel back? Then I mean, I would have to assume this has probably been about the longest you've been off skates and off the ice. You know, certainly in your career. I mean, how long do you think it would take to kind of get that feel back and get the stick handling back and all the timing that you guys need?
0: Uh, It's hard hard to say. I think some guys are different than others. But, you know, I think get the game back, get the field, a couple of practices, a couple of weeks maybe. And um, I know guys are going to, once we have clearance to go to the rink, I know guys are going to spend some time, you know, stick handling, skating, just try to, you know, get back into either game shape or just game feel.
2: Mitchell Stevens joining us here on Power Lunch. Greg Lenelli, along with Eric Rollinson. Mitchell, it's, it does sound like once play does resume that you know, you guys probably will be playing in, in an empty arena. And I'm wondering how weird that's going to be. You know, We talk about so much you guys are athletes, but you are also performers as well. People pay to watch you play, and you guys feed off of the crowd. If that is the case... I mean, how, in addition to getting in shape and, you know, getting your timing back, especially come playoff time, how big of an adjustment do you think that would be playing without anybody in the stands when the stakes are so high?
0: Yeah, it'll be weird for sure um, if that becomes the case. But, you know, I think, um, you know, without the fans, you know, feeding our energy, I think we need to, it'd be, you know, on us to create energy and I think. Um, it'll be difficult, but, uh, you know, it's going to maybe become the new norm and the rest for the rest of the year. But so, um, you know, I think guys are, we're, we're all athletes. We love the competition regardless if there's fans in the stands. All
1: right, last question for me, Mitchell. And, uh, you know, you get to call up about midway through the year, you, you establish yourself and, you're you're into the last month of the of the regular season schedule you're looking to get geared up for the playoffs kind of how take us through your season and how you think you kind of you know navigated this year to get to where you were before the the league went on pause and and where you improved and and where do you think you need to improve still
0: well i think when i first got my call up i was you know i was confident down in syracuse i was you know i was playing you know good defensive two-way hockey and Um, you know, to get that opportunity, I think my confidence, um, you know, skyrocketed. So, um, you know, as the games went on, you know, it's, you get more confident, uh, you know, with the puck and, uh, with the speed and the play of the game. And, uh, for, for me, it was, um, it was finding that the confidence that, you know, I can play here. I can can, I can try and make an impact. I can make an impact. And, um, you know, as the games went on is, you know, it became, um, you're used to it. You're, you're trying to, to get better in practice. You're trying to uh, get more ice time and move up the lineup. And, um, I wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't just, you know, happy with, uh, you know, where I was, I just, I wanted to try and get better every game and every shift and, um, you know, for for me, that was, that was what what drove me, and I wanted to to want to stick pretty much.
2: I've got to think too, probably Mitchell. You know, when you get called up, you want to be responsible defensively. You want to be hard to play against, and then once you start to get your feet wet, you probably want to start chipping in offensively. Is that how you kind of see that progression as a younger player coming up? And and how do you think so far that transition's been for you?
0: Yeah, I think um you want to we we want to gain the the coach's trust and you know if you're responsible defensively and you're not uh you know turn the puck over uh you're you're playing inside the system and i think um you know as games go on and your confidence gets on going and the coach has more more trust in you you sort of um you build on different aspects of your game and build on you know the offensive aspect and um, you know, but still maintaining that that defensive structure, that you know, that team first mentality, and I think um, you know, if you put those all together, you 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 can create an impact in the game. All right, Mitchell, we uh,
1: can't thank you enough for your time here, spending a little bit of uh, your day with us on Power Lunch. Continued uh, isolation, good luck. Uh, We'll keep working on the recipes, and uh, we'll have to check in with you when you get back to playing and see how they came along and if you compare notes with Anthony Sorelli. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me. (laughs) All right, thanks, Mitchell. Be well. All right, Mitchell Stevens there, and uh, very insightful, Greg, about uh, him never being on rollerblades. That caught me by surprise. You'd have figured it somewhere along the line, and I know that there's ice available, certainly, where where he's from up in Ontario, uh, available throughout the summer, but never been on rollerblades.
2: Yeah, you know it's um that's why it was interesting to to talk to him about it because you, you've seen some guys maybe start to take that route the longer they're not on the ice and that's probably the second best thing you can do and um, so he wanted to test it out and probably a lot of these guys he didn't feel like it was going to be this long <laughs> before yeah, they were no. back on the ice but you know maybe the the longer this does go on we may see more guys start to uh, purchase the rollerblades and. Maybe I'll see more guys around
1: my neighborhood with sticks skating. Well, well I, I know I, I saw something come across yesterday that uh, sales for rollerblades have gone up about 700% in the last wow. few weeks. Uh, so that kind of gives you an idea that uh, nice. probably a lot of hockey players, not just professionals, but even, you know, beer league guys or whatever, are probably out just trying to keep that feel under their uh, under their feet. And I uh, saw a video of Mitch Marner on rollerblades, uh, stick handling around his dog. Which I thought was uh, that's a good exercise. Pretty, yeah, absolutely, and and it yeah. keeps your keeps your wrist sharp too. I would you have to imagine. So, For yeah, sure. that was pretty cool to see. So, all right, let's go ahead and take a break. Uh, we're gonna replay our uh, interview from Aaron Andrews that we had earlier in the week. That was a lot of fun. So uh, stick around and uh, listen to Aaron Andrews. You're listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Power Play. I'm Eric Erlinson. He's Greg Lanelli. We'll be back right after this. An hour of hockey talk to get you through social distancing. This is Power Lunch with Greg
3: Linnelli and Eric Erlinson on Lightning Power Play.
1: Hey, welcome back to Power Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Erlinson alongside Greg Linnelli. Hope you enjoyed our chat there with Mitchell Stevens. It's uh, nice to hear from the players and see what they're up to, especially in a situation like uh, Mitchell Stevens is in uh interesting greg i thought that uh, he decided to stay here by himself rather than having the opportunity to go back home and maybe being around family for a young guy in his situation yeah. was he 22 years old yeah you know basically staying home which uh you know i thought was interesting i, I know there, there, there's a lot of aspects to it and you know you want to try and be around the team you, you didn't know when things were going to go because the league did get everybody the option if you wanted to go back home and self-isolate there you could do it he chose to stay here yeah and um
2: i can't blame him from that standpoint i think you probably want to be close to your guys i mean look he doesn't have a ton of commitments in his life he's a he's a young guy he has a girlfriend but i mean i think you know for him he wants to put himself in the best position possible so then when things start he is around the organization and can get to the facilities and and skate as quickly as possible it eliminates the travel aspect of it because as we know the traveling particularly coming from where he lives and where he's playing, that can be a little bit of an issue. So um, I thought it was interesting, you know, a couple of yoga sessions a week they try and do as a team, which is very cool. He's cooking on his own Mm -hmm. more so than maybe ordering curbside, which is pretty neat. You know, 22, 23-year-old, you're learning how to cook some food. I always think that's the fascinating part about this, when you don't have the facilities and the eating options that you typically would if you were playing. Because those guys are basically, you know, they're they're provided for as they should. That's mm-hmm. that's an asset for the organization. They want to make sure these players are eating well and, and training well. When you don't have that, what has that been like? What kind of adjustment is is that for a player? And it sounds like Mitchell Stevens is handling it pretty well.
1: Yeah, we talk about the hockey IQ Mitchell Stevens has. He's proven he's a smart man off the ice. Yeah, as well with his uh, decision to stick around. I think it is a smart decision for him, and the easy thing would have been for him to go back and be with uh, his parents or his girlfriend and and, and do things that way, but uh, he chose to stay and be by himself, so... All right, uh, as we mentioned, uh, we had Erin Andrews on the show a little bit earlier in the week, and uh, she was gracious enough to give us some of her time and talk about her situation and also about how the Lightning gave her her first opportunity and how she grew from that to the reporter that she is now. So this was Erin Andrews from earlier in the week. longtime Tampa resident, graduate of Bloomingdale High School and currently with Fox Sports as well as Dancing with the Stars. Aaron Andrews. Aaron, first of all, thanks for uh, joining us today. And uh, most importantly, everything okay with you? Family, everybody safe uh, going through this?
3: Yeah, everything's good. Mom and dad are in Tampa and my sister and I are out here on the West Coast and we've been lecturing them nonstop about (laughs) making sure that they stay away from people and hunker down and Um, yeah, it's very frightening. How about you guys? Are you guys all good?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're all good here with, with, uh, with my family and everything is, uh, you know, we're again, we're going out to the store. That's about it. And I'm the same thing. My dad's 80, lives by himself. We go to the store for him, but isn't it funny how, how things change? You know, here we are now in our forties, whatever we are and telling our parents, no, 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 you have to stay home. It's not good for you to go out. Whereas opposed (laughs) to when we were teenagers, we got the same speech.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, and, you know, when this was all going down, my sister and I are hypersensitive to kind of all this stuff anyways. And we're out here in Los Angeles, which I think once New York got hit, LA was very, very worried. Our governor did a good job, shut everything down. And, you know, we were lecturing our parents, hey, like, this is serious. Start, you know, start saving groceries. Let's do this. Let's get you that. And my parents were sending us like, memes about coronavirus and i'm like what have they lost their minds and then obviously it you know shifted and people saw how serious it was but yeah the whole parent role reversal has been a little difficult for me so but yes my parents are my dad clicked in pretty quick and the old investigative reporter um you know senses came through he's like god this is serious so nobody's joking
2: aaron andrews joins us here uh, Aaron, I, I've got to think too, you know, when you take a look at everybody's social distancing and, and being locked down and it's just, it's such a crazy time and it probably makes us all reevaluate how we go about, you know, doing our jobs, whether you're on air, whether you're writing it, the new normal is, is going to be interesting to see how this all transpires moving forward.
3: Yeah. I've had a, obviously a lot of conversations with people at Fox and, and, and my husband too, who works for the Los Angeles Kings and. Um, we saw his general manager uh, a couple days ago when we were taking the dog for a walk. And just everybody's, you know, kind of asking everybody, what have you heard? What do you know? Um, it, you know, I, I said to my husband, I said, this may be the first if if the guys can play a postseason, you know, this the Stanley cup where they aren't doing the handshake line. And I mean, my God, I don't know if we'll see everybody drinking out of the cup again in the locker room. And, right, um, you know, that's that's a crazy thought and then on our side of things and your side of things covering games I mean I know when they shut things down out here in LA with the hockey team they were having certain guys come out of the locker room and talk to reporters and is this the end of my one-on-one sit-downs on the pregame show are we gonna the next time you see us on air are we all going to be wearing masks so it's just it's a really really crazy time.
1: What about the thought, too, you know, you're on the sidelines there for the NFL games and it's such a raucous crowd wherever you're at. There's usually 80,000 people. I mean, the thought of NFL games and we're still a few months away from trying to consider that. But I know the governor there in California talked about he doesn't see anything like that happening until November. So that would certainly affect the NFL season and that campaign. But can you imagine being in a stadium without any fans, especially at the NFL level?
3: No, I can't. And I honestly, I can't imagine, I mean, an NHL game without any noise. I mean, especially in playoffs, if they're able to do this, it's going to be very different, but you know, just like I kind of, the word has been around Fox. I I think we're going to see football. I really do. I'm really hopeful about hockey as well. Uh, especially because I know there's, there's a group of guys in Tampa Bay that feel like they have some unfinished business to take care of. And uh, I'll be out here on the West coast screaming my face off if that happens, but um, (laughs) no, I, I can't imagine, but I I think it's going to be our reality probably for the rest of 2020. I I don't really know how they're going to be able to get fans in the stands until maybe next season, but Look, I, if, if that's the way the new norm is going to be for the rest of the year, I'd rather take the sports and figure out how we can get the fans back and make it safe because, I, you know, Fox has been playing a lot of the old games. I know um, NBC had some of, uh, you know, we watched Jarrett's couple of cup games. I've, I've seen the Lightning games on as well, and I just think we need sports very badly right now. I Usually in my line of work, I feel really stupid when I meet you know, a doctor or a firefighter or a cop and somebody who's really made a difference. And for the first time, you know, we provide such a distraction and I think this country really needs it. So, I'm, um, you know, we saw that with a, with a documentary about a basketball team from the eighties on Sunday. I mean, the numbers with that were crazy. I think we're going to see that with the NBA or NH, I'm sorry, NFL draft this week. I think the numbers are going to be bonkers. And, uh, you know, if they can get golf going, if they can get MLB and then NHL, if the fans are in the stands, you know, I I look forward to that. But if we could just get a product safely on the field or ice, I think that'd be awesome.
2: Yeah, and I I think you bring up a good point. You know, initially, it sounds like, you know, fans in the stands or even in the surrounding areas that that won't happen. And I'm just for the players, you know, playing in something like that, I have to think that's going to be. Drastic, and I've got to think for somebody that that's broadcasting, reporting. That's going to feel a a little different.
3: Yeah, I think it'll feel feel a little eerie. I mean, the only thing I can think about when my husband's team played in an outdoor game at Dodger Stadium, I think it was 2014. um, They were so far away from where we were sitting, we couldn't hear like the sounds of the ice. We couldn't hear the skates. We couldn't hear the whistles. And I remember just being like, this is so bizarre. And I can't imagine, you know, being out there and playing and not hearing the roar of the crowd. But, you know, these guys are professionals. And, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be really hard and different. But they want to play just as bad as anybody else does. A, it's their job. It's what they've done their whole lives. And I think, too, they know that they're going to provide a great distraction for everybody. So, um, you know again, I I think it's bizarre walking down the street and seeing young kids in masks. It's like an episode of Handmaid's Tale. It's, it's really sad. It's really scary, but it's kind of our new norm and how everybody is trying to say, stay safe through all this. And, you know, we've been, we've been kind of fighting people out here, like do the six feet rule, like stay at home because the quicker we get back to normal, the quicker we all go back to work. So um, yeah, it's crazy, crazy time.
1: Yeah, I give people some funny looks when uh, they don't stand oh, far enough away yeah. in the grocery store. It's like, "Okay, I'll just <laughs> wait for you to finish. That's okay."
3: Yeah, so. I'm very vocal now. I don't care anymore. I just, I <laughs> you know, we've been in quarantine for over a month here and I don't feel like getting sick because some moron in the produce department doesn't <laughs> respect my space. I'm a big person on spatial awareness anyways and now this gives me like a good excuse to kind of pop off, but Yeah. Jarrett won't even come into the grocery store with me anymore because I'm basically like yesterday I had a dude as I was waiting to check out. He was creeping up so close and I just like stuck my arm out and I have long arms and I stuck my arm out pretty long and and he got the point. And I said to Jarrett when I got in the car, well, I figured it out. And he's like, what? And I go six feet roll. I'm putting my arm out. If I touch you. That means you move back. And he's like, oh, God. So, yeah, I can't wait to see this attitude on a plane if, in fact, we get rolling and start going to games because that's when I'm the crappiest.
1: (laughs) Yeah, kind of hard to find the six feet of space on an airplane. Um, Aaron Andrews joins us here on Power Lunch. And, uh, Aaron, we were mentioning uh, a lot of people probably don't realize or remember that 0102, you were the sideline reporter. For the lightning on, I don't even know what was a sunshine network back then. Fox, yes, sports, it Sun, was. Whatever, sure Sun, was. Sports. Sun Sports. Yeah, whatever baby. it was. Just, uh, just that whole year, and uh, you know, I got to know you a little bit that year because that was my first year on the beat as well. So, what was that like for you to kind of step into that, and what did you learn from that? You know, all of a sudden you're interviewing the likes of Mario Lemieux and you know Vinnie Cavier, yeah. Dave Vanderchuk and, and that kind of crew.
3: Yeah. I mean, I did an interview about this the other day. Um, It taught me everything, you know, on the funny side of it. It taught me how to drink. It taught me how to cuss, uh, drink like a sailor, cuss like a sailor. Um, It taught me how to conduct myself with a team, a professional team. Um, my husband is blown away all the time when I tell him stories, like I was on the plane, I was on the bus, I stayed in the hotels. He's like, what media doesn't do that anymore. Um, it taught me so much. I knew absolutely zilch about NHL, uh, professional hockey. Um, I'm so thankful that the organization gave me a shot. Um, but it taught me how to work my rear end off. It taught me how to study. Um, it taught me how to deal with a head coach who was also brand new, who wanted nothing to do as he should have with a 22 year old right out of college with the worst team in the NHL. Um, he thought I'd be a distraction. He wanted to make it clear that, um, we were, I was here for professional reasons. He made me, I don't know if you remember, sit right next to him on the bus (laughs) Yep. and, um, it it taught me everything. It really did, and I I couldn't be more grateful for an organization, um, Bill Wickett, who you know very well. Um, he gave me the chance, and he talked to the general manager and the head coach about me, and still is very close to my family. And it was fantastic. You know, there's so many different stories about that time. I mean. Rick Peckham saved my life. I almost, you know, was killed by a puck. My first road game in San Jose at a morning skate (laughs) because I wasn't paying attention. Um, Marty St. Louis, who wasn't Marty St. Louis at the time. I think he was on the fourth line at the time getting ready to move up. um, Was one of the most gracious, just nicest guys. And it was kind of cool because to this day, you know, people and I'll say it all the time. Who are my favorite players? Larry Bird, David Ortiz, Marty St. Louis, and you know I think he's seen it a few times on Twitter, and it'll write me back, and it just you know hockey is such a great group of athletes, a special group of athletes to deal with in all professional sports, anyways, and there couldn't have been a better group of guys. I mean, they knew I was terrible, I they knew I was learning, and none of them like turned a nose at me and just helped me along the way. You yourself, Eric, you were so wonderful to me, and um, you know, it could have been really, really bad because I, I didn't, I didn't know a thing. I was so green. I mean, I remember talking to Ron Francis one time in a half t- or a halftime interview, intermission interview about his soup that he produced. Like what? I mean, this guy's a Hall of Famer. What the hell am I doing? So, I mean, it just, but I, I think I can look back at that and be so appreciative of the whole thing. And then You know, it came full circle when I went to Turner Sports and I signed a two-year deal and I was absolutely horrible there and they let me go. They let my contract run out and I convinced ESPN to sign me on to hockey coverage because I knew a team that I thought was going to do well in that 2004 Stanley Cup run and they did and I got to be on the ice and interview them when they hoisted that puppy and um, it was really, really special.
2: You know, it's interesting, Aaron, hearing you talk about your different experiences. And I think there are so many great life lessons there that I'm sure, you know, covering a sport that maybe you weren't as familiar with early on. A lot of people say, you know, to grow as an individual, you want to get out of your comfort zone, so to speak, because it makes you a better person in whatever profession. And I've got to think after experiencing, you know, those those couple of years that it made you the broadcaster you are today.
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, Torch taught me very early that if I had a question, I should ask it. And I remember sitting on a question in a press conference or a more after a morning skate and nobody asked it. No, I, I think you were sick that day, Eric, you definitely weren't there because you would have, you would have asked for it. But, um, I raised my hand and he called on me and I asked this question and he said, great effing question in front of everybody. And I was like, yeah. And, um, <laughs> no, I, I remember when I started as, as embarrassing as it sounds, that's when message boards were going and I was curious and I was reading the things they were saying. And I, I remember being around Torch one day, which is embarrassing. And I, I, think he saw, I was really upset and he asked me what was wrong. And I, I started crying and I told him and he goes, you got to start having thick skin. You can't read that crap. And he was really hard on me. And, um, you know, to this day, I still try to think about it. I mean, I try to stay away from Twitter on days I'm on air because, you know, everybody can do the job better. They think they know how to interview a coach at the half at, at the Super Bowl, And, um, that's that's a life lesson you know so yeah i mean there's so many of them but i'm i'm really competitive i really um i'm neurotic about preparation um i don't ever think i did a good enough job after a game i kind of have a a problem with the whole monday morning quarterbacking thing if i see a story that happened when i'm on the sidelines i probably won't sleep for about three or four days but um yeah, I, I know a lot of that had to do with the foundation that was laid by the Tampa Bay Lightning and my experience there. And again, I'm I'm so grateful for it. And uh, they'll always be a huge piece of my life and my career.
1: It, again, we're joined here by Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Andrews and Eric, you, you funny you talk about being on the bus and everything. I remember a specific, I don't even remember where it was. It was somewhere oh, on the road. That's <laughs> no, not bad. But what I, happens I remember, on the road
3: stays on the road, Eric. Come on, I learned that yeah. one early
1: too. <laughs> no, no, this is, this is not a bad story. Okay. But this is, uh, you know, you were up front, obviously, near the coaching staff, and Craig wow. Ramsey, who assistant coach at the time, was behind. And there was a conversation going, and you, you were kind of loud, like, that's an effing fine rammer. <laughs> I was like, oh. wow. <laughs> Look at the boldness! All oh, right, way to go, Aaron. Yeah, that was like one of those moments. Like, oh yeah, she's integrated herself very well um, in <laughs> in in this whole this whole because that like that was a time too. Like, there's separate media buses now. It was, a rough now. Year. <laughs> yeah, well, it was. But I we got to see Dave Anterchuk score a 600 goal that year. Yeah, um, we
3: did.
1: But we were all on the same bus. Right, like so we were on the bus with the players and everything at that time yep. too. So, yeah. So that so if you yeah. wanted to learn how Aaron got that assertiveness, that was part. Uh, of it right there, um, Aaron, before we we will we, we'll let you go here a couple more minutes, but I, I did want to bring up uh, I did see the story on uh, channel Eight here a couple days ago about an initiative you kind of got involved with in, in getting some uh, I believe meatless hamburgers to the staff over at Tampa General. Kind of let people know how all that came about and, and how important it is for you to kind of get back to the community here.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had an opportunity beyond meat reached out and said, you know, well, first of all, with everything going on and you just see these caregivers and these, you know, healthcare workers on the front lines, just God, it just, you know, every single day for how many hours straight away from their families, putting their lives on the line, taking care of all of us. I just, you sit here every day and you're like, what the heck can I do to help these people out? And uh, you just feel so helpless. And then I was given this opportunity to donate some meals and, you know, I am grateful, obviously, for the healthcare out here in Los Angeles. But um, my dad was at TGH probably three, four weeks before uh, this quarantine happened. And, you know, I came home and the Lightning were great with me with dealing with TGH. And I'm grateful for the Lightning and their relationship with TGH. And I'm so grateful for TGH and helping our family out. So, I wanted to be there for them and uh, just decided to do what I could. I know it wasn't enough, but just let them know, you know, they're in our, our hearts and, and, you know, kind of like I said in that interview, my job is to talk about the MVPs and the X factors and the quarterbacks and the game changing defense. And that's what those people mean to all of us right now. So small, small gift, but um, so grateful to them.
1: Greg, you got anything else? I'm good. I'm good. I, was, uh, I, I love the rammer thing. Oh, you're
3: you're asking your guy. Yeah, God, the rammer <laughs> thing's great. Do you remember me falling off a freaking uh, ramp in Toronto? That was unbelievable. I wasn't paying attention yet again. I was talking to somebody, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this, this, and this," and I walked right off the truck ramp in outside Toronto.
1: <laughs> I don't remember that one, but look, oh, we, we should bring this up. <laughs> We should bring this one up because you did mention it, how oh, Rick man. Peckham saved your career, basically your first road trip uh, out in San Jose, and mm-hmm. this is before the netting was put up. So there was no nets yeah. around the end boards. Yep. And it's a morning skate, and we're yeah. all down in the end zone because where the, the team comes out from the locker room is down in the corner. It's not behind the bench, so it's down in the corner. So we're Ugh. all kind of con- congregated down there. And I forget who shot the puck. I think it was Stan Netskash. Um I'm not even Way sure who was go. with the team at then. But either way, the puck comes rimming around. And of course, yep. it comes flying over the boards. And Rick, ever the professional that he is, sees this. Of course, you're, I think, facing away from the ice talking to oh. us. And Rick I was sees it. To him. And he's able to get his hand up and knock the puck down, or else it probably would have hit you square in the face. And that would have been a disastrous day. But we can, to this day, thank Rick Peckham for allowing Aaron Andrews to grow into the reporter that she is now. On many levels,
3: I remember. (laughs) Yep, I remember his final words were, Look out, and then he swatted (laughs) it. And then I don't remember which reporter put it in the newspaper, but my dad read it the next day and he called me in the morning and he said, Pay attention, and I was like, I know. And now, after looking at my husband's face and all the scars he has on his face, I, uh, I realize what damage that could have been. So I love my Rick Peckham.
1: And, and for the record, I think that was Damien, not me, that put that in the paper.
3: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Damien. <laughs> Poor Damien and you guys. You guys were killed by torts. I felt bad. But hey, it yeah. probably made you a better reporter, right?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and, look, I mean, the thing with torts, a lot of people don't realize, it was never personal. No, it wasn't like you could like we've seen with Larry Brooks, like the the famous inter exchange he had at the the 07 playoff series with the Devils. I mean, him and Larry Brooks were laughing about it 10 minutes later. Yeah, but that's that's who Torts was. And that's, you know, I had so much ton of respect for Torts uh, and being able to uh, have that experience with him. It certainly made me a better uh, reporter for sure.
3: Yeah, agreed.
1: Yep. Hey, Aaron, uh, I can't thank you enough uh, for giving us a little bit of your time. Uh, look forward to seeing you back on the sidelines, hopefully with fans of the stands. Uh, either way, uh, we'll be watching, and uh, we'll all, we will all—we can all certainly say, I remember Aaron when, based on oh this gosh, conversation. Oh, gosh,
3: please. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. You're hey, very nice thank you. thank you so
1: much. Best to you and your family, and uh, hopefully we can catch up down the line uh, maybe sometime in the late playoff game uh, here in the near future.
3: Oh, I hope so. Fingers crossed.
1: All right. Thanks, Aaron. Take care.
3: Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. That was Aaron Andrews
2: who joined us earlier in the week. And it was always uh, good to catch up with Ernie. I know that was um, somebody who started when you first broke in and she kind of learned the ropes. And I thought some good stories about her time in Tampa. And uh, as I've said before, you know, she may have felt like she struggled early on, you know, figuring out how to cover hockey and and everything that's involved in in the sport, but you know, certainly she did figure it out, and that adversity, I think,
1: certainly made her better. It really did, and um, y- you know, I don't think she mentioned probably uh, enough of what it was. Uh, Rick Peckham really kind of took her under his wing and really helped her uh, during that year. And uh, she, I, I know she mentioned a little bit, but uh, that's one of the things that the casual conversations when we bumped into her on the road through the years, she's always talked about how much Rick meant to her. So it's, it's nice that she uh, remembers certainly all of that, um, you know, and, and how she got to where she is. Because, you know, look, we all make mistakes early in our career, whatever our career is. It, it's how you grow and learn from them that you do. And uh, she came a long way. And like, she was great that year. You know, I mean, she admitted she didn't know about hockey, but she, she did what she had to do to ed- educate herself. And, you know, that's how you get better. And, and it certainly worked. And, you know, look where she's at today.
2: I think if you show the work ethic and willing to ask questions and not be somebody who thinks they don't need any help when it comes to a certain profession, even if you feel comfortable in that profession, I feel is always a very good trait to have because nobody knows all the answers. And especially if you're just new and you're you're breaking into an industry, ask questions, play dumb. I mean, people like to tell you how smart they are. (laughs) <laughs> so, you can ask them questions, let them tell you. You may not have to use all of the advice they give you, but take some. I mean, I, I can, you know, just looking back on my career, just sometimes sitting back and listening to people talk, how they approach a situation. And then when you don't know, ask. Yeah, it may be annoying at first uh, for any young people out there listening or anybody that's maybe switching jobs in a different pr- profession. It only looks dumb when you're put in a situation and you don't know what to do. Ask. There's nothing wrong about asking people for advice and, and how they go about their business, and uh, I think it's a good trait to have, and I think it's an underrated one that people you know sometimes are a bit timid to do that
1: today. Yeah, and I can tell you when I first started out, but I would hang around Chief as much as I could, and when yeah. um, he would come across people who you know who's to play in the league with him, and I would just I would just kind of hang out. And just listen to the stories that they would go back and forth, occasionally interject into the conversation, but basically just listen to Chief. And, you know, talk about self-education. I mean, just listen to him is is a way that I got, you know, I learned a lot more about the league and about the game. And, you know, a wise man who I used to work with one time told me that uh, the role of a reporter – is to become a mini expert as quick as you can on the subject it is you're covering and that's why you ask questions and that's true in life. It's a good point as well yeah. um, that that's how you just become better at who you are, what you do and uh, the more you do that, the more you grow. For sure. No doubt about that. That's good advice. I like that.
2: All right that's gonna wrap it up for us today on the show. We had a lot of fun thanks to Seaverse I think we have our um, rewind. Lightning Power Play Rewind on 95.3 WD and Lightning Power Play, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Right now, we're in the 2015 playoff run. We've got Game 5 on Saturday, and then we've got Game 7 on Sunday, and uh, I'll be part of that broadcast like we have been up to this point. E joins me during the intermission reports, and we talk about what things were transpiring during that specific time. And we also take your questions. So hit us up on Twitter at Greg Lanelli at Eric underscore Erlandson with a K at the end of E's name. And we'll make sure we read some of those questions on the air. And we talk about hockey that was played uh, a couple years back. And it's a lot of fun. But um, make sure you stay tuned for that. That's at 7 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday. E, good stuff this week, bud. It was a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to do it again starting next Monday. Yep. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe. All right, guys. Thanks to Steve Versnick as well. Thanks to you for listening. I am
3: Greg Vanelli. You have been listening to Power Lunch right here on Letting Power Play.